Hi and welcome to my favourite Elliot Smith song. If you haven't heard us before, the aim of this podcast is pretty simple really. We tried to do our bit to keep Elliot Smith's legacy alive by speaking to well-known fans about their favourite song of his. And today our guest is the musician Matthew Kors. Matthew is the lead singer and guitarist in the band Nutter Surf, a band he formed in New York City in the early 90s with Daniel Lorca. In total, Nutter Surf have put out nine studio albums, with their most recent, Never Not Together, coming out in early 2020. Nutter Surf have also had the pleasure of touring with Elliot Smith and the band Quasi in 1998. And in this interview, we discuss Matthew's memories of that tour. After it, why he decided to turn down the opportunity to play solo shows with Elliot. And we also talk about his favourite song pick too, of course. It was lovely chatting to Matthew. He was very open and had some great stories to share. So hopefully you enjoy listening to this interview. So here he is. Here's Matthew Cause talking to me earlier on this summer. My name is Matthew Cause. I play in a band called Not A Surf. And that's the story. So I, I want to um, couch this by saying uh, I, I've chosen Coming Up Roses, but I love it. It's not my favorite Elliot Smith song. Um, you've done so many already and lots of my favorites, but I thought I'd be a good sport and pick from ones that aren't that weren't super favorites. But, you know, it kind of is too. And that's the thing is that um, when I listen to uh, Elliot Smith music, um, I don't tend to listen to a song at a time. Um, it's more like spending the day or you know, a long time ago, maybe spending the month uh, listening to all of it nonstop. So they're all favorites. I think the biggest thing about it is that he, as far as I can tell, has chosen drugs as a metaphor for something else. And I think that's interesting because so often, you know, and I'm sure this is in, in a lot of creative arts or anything, um, you're maybe too embarrassed to talk about what's really happening or you don't want to weigh on the other person with what's really happening or what's really happening is private, or what's really happening is illegal. Who knows? But so often we, in wanting to express ourselves, will will hide what we're talking about in something else. You know, you'll talk about your problem as a box, or you'll talk about the time that you spent with that person as 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 a street or something. You know, but but here, whatever was bothering Elliot, he's disguised as drug use, because, you know, um, if you believe what you read, and I kind of do, and just in having um, spent some time with him in 1998, which was, I don't know, two or three years after after this song, uh, he was completely clear, you know, that was not, not a junkie at all. So if you read what he says, that he would just like the imagery, um, I believe him. And so I think that's really interesting to choose to hide what you're talking about in something that other people would hide. 
And, and the other thing, of course, that's great, and maybe I'll be kind of inarticulate in saying this, but, you know, the, the lyrics are a straight, a straight bummer, you know, absolutely. You know, junkyard of false starts, burying my love, you know, uh, things that the you tell us. Spun glass in a sore eyes is... Yeah, yeah. Oh, and, and especially you got in the kind of trouble that nobody knows. I really... I identify, and I'm sure a lot of people identify with that. Again, it's what I was talking about before, you know, something that is bugging you or, or whatever. Or you made a big mistake, you know, or you have a huge regret or whatever it is, or you have a huge debt, whatever. The music is straight up beautiful. I mean, just totally gorgeous. It's not one of his darker and sneakier ones. And those I really um, I really go for, you know, I Christian Brothers, um, musically, I really adore, and I adore everything about it, and and the, and the content of that song is so upsetting, um, but also so admirable, and that's part of what I love about him is that he seemed like a very very brave person who was able to, like a phoenix, you know, rise above uh, things that he'd been through. And and even in Christian Brothers, just just getting that kind of liquid courage to say he's going to stand up to somebody, you know, his stepfather, if you know what you read is right, you know, is incredibly brave. The moon is a sickle cell. It'll kill you in time. Cold white brother will ride in your blood. Sorry, what, I, what I'm getting around to saying is that despite the straight-up bummer lyrical content of Coming Up Roses, not only is the music very beautiful, but incredible care has gone into it. You know, that's not somebody who's given up at all. That's somebody who's putting craft and time and experimentation and willpower and and willful exploring and freedom and everything that you have to do um, to make something as beautiful as that. I mean, you know, obviously with music, sometimes just things come to you, but what can just come to you is like an idea or a short lyric or, or a bit of a melody. But that, that song and so many of his songs, maybe all of them are constructions made up mm. of a number of those uh, inspirations and, and, and lightning bolts. You know, you, you don't you don't get that in a lightning bolt. You know, it's got this complex introduction. Um, the guitar solo is, is is melodic and kind of and but also uh, it develops. Um, the harmonies are really deft. You know, the the coming up roses harmony. That's that's it's beautiful. You know, but when he gets yeah. to the kind of trouble that nobody knows he flips to singing under the melody in a really tricky way and and that's a lot of time and a lot of care and that's that's the the beauty that really gets me is is that the dichotomy between this 
what seems like, you know, I've made all these false starts and I don't need your permission to blank, whatever it is, mm-hmm. whatever his version of nihilism or, 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 or just, or, or, or giving up or, or doubling down in, 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 in misery or, you know, betting it all and losing what, you know, whatever it is, you know what I mean? We all know what it's like, you know, you have a deadline and you're goofing off and then you keep goofing off because if you stop goofing off and then move on to the work, then, then it's time, <laughs> you know, mm. then it's reality. <laughs> but as long as you don't start working, it's not reality yet. You haven't, <laughs> you ha- don't have to face what kind of trouble you're making for yourself. Now, that's obviously a very innocuous version that's that's procrastination and and elliot was probably dealing with something heavier than that but but still you know um is that how you can relate how you personally can relate to it then to that sort of um the the false starts being the procrastination it might not be as sort of heavy as as what elliot smith was talking about or well no you know there are a lot of songs about those kind of kind of mm. <laughs> of jams that I get into Th- this this is a this is a bit a bit deeper or higher or something so I I, I relate to it just in the in uh, empathetically and also uh there another aspect to it is that coming up roses everywhere I'm wondering if that's not a comment on on his career which um at that point when he was making this record was maybe not super happening it was probably like Heat Miser might have plateaued already or were plateauing and but but he was already making this sound and I'm sure that anybody who heard it was completely dumbstruck. And um, you know, it just such an affecting voice and style and, and skill that he must have known not only he must have known that his star was ascending, but yeah he must have known the effect he had on people and that he could make people really happy and, and knocked out and, and, and showering him with compliments coming up roses, you know, and yet that mm. doesn't change who you are or how you feel on on the inside. You know, if you feel empty, that's, it's not gonna, it's gonna help, but it's not gonna f- fill it. So that, that irony is something that he probably lived out his whole life. Were you becoming a fan of Elliot Smith around this sort of time or were you already a fan through Heat Miser or was it a bit later on that you, you sort of became into it was this, this music? It, no, it was this record. This is the first one I got and I got it pretty much at the time. Um, I lived around the corner. I lived on Sullivan Street in New York around the corner from a store called Rocks in Your Head and they very much carried this kind of thing. Um, I think other music was already open at the time and I was going... I was going there too, but I'm sure I bought this at Rocks in Your Head. I used to read a, a fanzine called Chick Factor, um, and they wrote about him really early. Uh, yeah, so I got this record and and absolutely loved it, you know, and listened to it on loop. And then um, I first saw him uh, when Either Or had just come out, so... Uh, a show at the Knitting Factory. And then I saw him a number of times because then I would go to every show I could 
So I saw him at Brownies, um, weird things like Town Hall, uh, Luna Lounge, just, you know, whenever I could, really. Um, mm. Yeah, and became just an instant super fan. When was it that, um, that then you sort of had the opportunity to, to, to play with him when you were with Not A Surf? Yeah, so then, so our second record, The Proximity Effect, came out in 1998. And uh, early on, what I mean by early on, I mean soon after that record came out, I mean early on in that cycle, but that's like, <laughs> it's a biz speak, that's not interesting. Um, so <laughs> soon after that record came out, um, we went on a short tour sponsored by a French magazine called the Inrocuptible, which is a, it's a funny name, the Inrocuptibles, Incorruptibles. Mm. Um, and they, it was like eight shows maybe, and we were headlining and then it was Elliot and then Quasi. Um, and Elliot was backed by Quasi. I love them too. So already. So that was, it felt ridiculous not to make too big a point of it, but it just felt ridiculous that we were headlining because I, I, I knew that was totally, totally and forever backwards. <laughs> you know, it shouldn't be that way. But, but anyway, we were, we were thrilled, of course, you know, um, and, uh, yeah, I was kind of, you know, a real real fan fanboy and so I was nervous to meet him and I just made a really big effort to just be be chill. Um and and I definitely got that vibe from him. Um cuz I remember the first day of tour like even before the first show just like, you know, introducing myself and we just hung hung out for a bit and we were walking around and um just in the venue, you know. Uh but he he had a kind of um initial reticence which i totally understood to be the the vibe of somebody who people really love mm-hmm. and to whom that attention probably feels good on some basic visceral level but um to whom it's uh you know, a little scary. Um, but I picked on upon it quick, but anyway, I guess I, I guess I'm saying I was, I, I, I'd guess that was going to be the case anyway. So I was just tried to be cool and not gush too much. And, and, and that, and that was good, you know, cause he seemed to be comfortable around me. So we had a really good time and that was a, that was a great tour and they were incredible. You know, quasi was nuts. So good. And then them as a trio was really amazing. Um, I mean, I love seeing Elliot on his own, but but that particular trio was was really great. Yeah, you know, like rocking and hard, but both Janet and Sam are such incredibly good players, and also so uh, subtle, kind of nuanced. You know, so so it was never a din. It never overpowered anything. And then one of my really favorite memories is that we had a night off together, and we all went to a bar and sat around a big table with a lot of beer and there was a jukebox and there were a lot, there was a lot of kinks on the jukebox. And so we put a lot of, a lot of kinks and sang along. And, and that's one of my best tour memories ever, partially of how, how it was. And it could have been anybody, but the, but you know, the fact that I'm such a fan and he was so happy, you know, and mm. he had a really like very, uh, infectious kind of bright, you know, re- a really beautiful smile. You know, some people, some people really have that, that when they're happy, it just, you feel it and it makes you happy too. And, 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 so we had a really, really, really fun night, uh, and that was awesome. So I'm very, I'm very glad to have that memory. 
Is he a fan of um, your music? I don't know. As well? I don't think so. Uh, I, I know. I don't know if he knew us or not. I'm not sure. Um, I mean, he's he. I'll I'll jump. Well, I'll jump ahead just to say that then, like a couple of months later, um, I'd gone see him at Luna Lounge, and we were sitting at the bar together having a beer, and he asked me if I'd want to play some solo shows with him. And so that's two things. One is I ta- I I was very flattered and took it as a great compliment yeah. that maybe thought I wasn't wasn't terrible. Um <laughs> but but I don't know if you'll you'll think this is ridiculous but but I I said no and that's in a totally I whatever I found a really nice way to say it or yeah. or I whatever but it's just something in me knew that, <laughs> that you know uh I don't know I didn't play alone a lot. I didn't play acoustic a lot, and I, I just didn't think I was up to the level to put to to play a show with him. It just didn't feel, and that's not really? like that's not like any kind of self hatred or anything. You know, I I, I would now. You know, but something. Do you regret that decision now, looking back on it, or are you, were you are you comfortable in doing? I mean, in of having co- made that. Of choice? course, I thought about it before doing this show with you because I was thinking of all the all the places that uh, he is in my brain you know like all the different memories and experiences and stuff and and i thought about that one and like <laughs> i'm comfortable with it i'm I'm comfortable with it because musically i just felt like man i'm probably just gonna let you down it's not gonna be as good as you think it might be and so what i would have gotten out of it is just like stuff that doesn't really serve the moment you know would it would would it have made it a better night you know if you had me kind of like nervously trying to like come up to snuff uh and what i would have gotten out of it is that these amazing memories but that's not the point the point is the show and you know i don't know if that makes sense i, f- I feel no, it does make sense. i feel all right about it um but that's just to say that i came away with a nice feeling so whether he knew the band or not i guess he got to like us enough to say that so that's that's very sweet after after um he asked you if you if you'd play solo um yeah. those shows with him did did you did you did your paths cross again after that or was no, that, that, the, that the last time we saw him that was it uh that's the last time i saw him um this isn't really crossing paths but then the the thing is i i became uh autumn de wild is a is a really uh, cherished friend of mine and mm. um we've talked about him a bunch and so getting to hear her stories of what he was like kind of added to my sense of him in a, in a kind of, um, you know, since I already had some reality that I, you know, real experiences that I, that I remembered vividly that just added to the, added to the picture, you know? So I, I feel, I'm very grateful for her, for her friendship, but you know, also I'm really grateful to have heard, heard those stories from, from somebody, from her, you know, cause she had such a special time with him. Coming up roses everywhere you go, red roses. I saw, um, I think it was actually on Twitter that you you were talking to someone talking about how Elliot Smith and, and Heat Miser were, were an influence, or still are an influence on you. Um, yeah. Has he, has he kind of continued to influence you as, as, as you go? Uh, y- yeah, I mean... 
influence is funny. It maybe it's just feeling something really uh, common. There's there's some things. Yeah. Okay. I guess I was thinking that I wouldn't know how to express it, but I, I think I do. It's that, yeah. um, like, there were some tendencies that I had already, uh, which are my parents listened to a lot of uh, Baroque classical music. Like, that's all, really. Um, and there's something in Bach, especially, uh, there's this kind of, like, uh, cool darkness, you know? Like, he... he goes through I know, I know classical music you don't talk about chord changes exactly but but Bach goes through some chord changes that mm. that have this kind of I don't know like a light darkness see already I knew I was I knew I was going to get into trouble here that I wouldn't know <laughs> wouldn't know how to say it but you know even like speed trials the hook in there um again Christian Brothers uh St. Ides Heaven um there are a lot of songs where he, he gets to this 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 color that reminds me of of certain passages in classical music and Bach in particular um, that I always loved hearing it in what my parents listened to, but then hearing it in his music somehow helped me. Um, and I'm not saying you'll hear it a lot in our music, but it's in there in little passages, and or I'm always trying to bring it out. So hearing his songs helped me kind of recognize it more easily and recognize it in a pop context and try and tease it out a little more it's you know what it is it's a kind of um his melodies are and 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 the and the harmonies and i mean the harmonies like in the guitar playing the harmonies in the chords uh forming bigger chords with his vocal melody are really elegant you know they're really very beautiful and and have a kind of organized beauty uh kind of a watchwork organized beauty that that I really love and that you know that you hear in other places in pop music like um I'm a big fan of the early birds you know I I know people really love the the country period and sweetheart of the romeo and uh, rodeo of the romeo <laughs> sweetheart yeah. of the rodeo uh and notorious bird brothers and stuff like that but f but for me the the early columbia singles just the obvious stuff, you know, turn, 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 feel a whole lot better, all, all that stuff. Mm. There's this elegance in the in the in the melodies, in 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 the harmonies and in the and in the twelfth string that I feel Elliot just has in in spades, just tons of it, you know, and it's it's so comforting and uh, yeah, it's like a magic trick, you know, because it feels good and it's comforting, but it's also kind of um, you know, mind expanding, you know, that it, it, yeah. it's, uh, so evocative and that's kind of unusual for music to have both those things, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, you need to listen to more difficult music to get a kind of real intellectual spark from it. But I, 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 I don't spend a lot of time with difficult music. I like it. I admire it, but, but, I love big hooks, but his hooks have, have a real depth to them and a real beauty, you know. So you got in a kind of trouble that nobody knows. It's coming up roses everywhere you go.
Here's one thing, just the, and now I'm going to repeat the word magic, but the magic trick of having um, a contrast between the mood of the music and the mood of the lyrics is uh, so powerful. And, and, the, and the Beatles, my, my favorite moment of it in the Beatles is Every Little Thing, where the lyrics are, you know, um, when I'm talking about her, I'm going to say this wrong. People tell me I'm lucky and I know our love will never die. Uh, you know, it's, it's totally Valentine's Day lyrics, you know, just great. Everything's awesome. The melody is so sad that you know he doesn't believe it. You know he's terrified. You know he's worried about his own worries. I mean, it's super complicated, and the music gives it all away. And and that contrast is is so wonderful. And here in Coming Up Roses, you know, the music's really uplifting and, and, and beautiful, and the lyrics are a bummer, and that, that contrast is is a kind of magic, too. And I, and I wonder if maybe that's something that that he was inspired to do by the Beatles. I mean, I'm sure it's in himself, but you know, whether again, it was yeah. teased out by them. Anyway, that, I just wanted to make that the happy, sad thing. So powerful in a lot of people's hands, but particularly in his, cause he does both sides of that so well. A big thank you then to Matthew cause for being our guest today on the show. We've been really keen to get him on the podcast for a while now. So it was great to get the opportunity to speak to him. And we'll be back with a new episode of the podcast in just a couple of weeks' time when our guest will be Stephen Page from the Canadian band The Bare Naked Ladies. So please do join us for that episode. And in the meantime, you can, of course, follow us on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook to stay up to date with all the latest podcast news. That's pretty much it then from me. Thanks again to Matthew Kors. Thanks to Elizabeth with Stanley for producing this show with me. And thank you for listening to it. We'll see you again in a couple of weeks' time.